did you call me loser? Yes. Why would you co- why would you do that, Paul? Why do you have to be hurtful? Really, I said Mr. Head, but uh uh-huh. obviously you hear what you want to hear. <laughs> You're an asshole. Oh, Aaron. A fatty boom batty blunt. A fatty boom batty blunt. You're so white. Start the podcast. Tim and Wayne fixed. I'm Aaron. <laughs> I guess I'm Polly still. I'm still Wade. I guess I gotta be Tim now. <laughs> yeah. This was almost a red letter week for Paul. He gets to, you know, advance from Polly to Paul. I can't make any more of, you know, Paul's mom jokes for the next year. <laughs> it, it, it's been a big and it was Halloween at the beginning of the week. I, I do have to admit, I for the very first, for the last week, I already did the uh, the first sending Tim a message to uh, to make the mom's joke for me. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I don't like. I that. said nothing. <laughs> Tim likes me. Next Tim's time, next time, next time, Paul, you have to have your attorney look at the contract. Yeah, clearly. Oh, listen, listen to last week's episode again. Tim nailed you with it. Uh, <laughs> wait, don't don't we know an attorney, Aaron? Didn't we interview an attorney? We did. Mr. Jeff Gerber. Jeff Gerber. He is, uh, you know, an intellectual properties attorney. So, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to help you out with this whole mama talking <laughs> yeah, thing. Yo, mama talking. <laughs> <laughs> ah, one lawyer is just as good as another. Jeff Gerber, call me. <laughs> I, got, I got a stack of comics coming your way. Maybe you need to hire a personal injury attorney, you know, because your feelings are hurt. Aww. If you've been in an accident, call Wayne Hundred Ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, so Halloween. Yes, Halloween. Yes, very scary. Uh, not, you know what? It was kind of scary, actually. Was it? It was unintentionally scary. Well, you know, I've been sick most of the month. I've been I've been sick for the last couple of weeks, so my Halloween festivities have been sorely lacking. Were you coming down with the rage virus? I was coming down with the rage virus. It seems to have passed me, though. Mm. You're a carrier, is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. I'm like the monkey. Like, I'm not going to, like, eat other monkeys. I have often said you're just like a monkey. Let's see. Yeah. Racist. Um, <laughs> <Davey> Jones. <laughs> well, you know. Don't talk to Paul about what he does to frogs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, speaking of racist, one of the kids trick-or-treating on Monday had the most politically incorrect joke I've ever heard from a kid. So if you're black when you go into the bathroom, Chinese when you leave the bathroom, what are you when you're in the bathroom? European. Exactly. That was kind of funny, actually. <laughs> that was one of the more funny jokes. What is There's, what is up with the just joke stuff? By the way, I have this never heard St. of this Louis ever. Thing. You know, I'm from St. Louis. I've never had. I never did the telling of the jokes. I never had kids telling jokes. This is the first year I've ever experienced this, and you know, like, I missed most of the trick or treaters because I was working late. But I got the last couple stragglers, 
And there were my wife was texting me the jokes they were telling as they were trick or treating. It's like this. They've never done this before. This is new to me. What? And I'm from St. Louis. You St. Louis people make your kids earn their candy. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. See, and in, in Texas, you're really kind of buying off the kids with candy. Give them a yeah. great big handful of candy so they don't come back and egg your house. Well, you know, in, in Hampton Roads, we give them the candy so they don't come back and you know home invasion us. <laughs> they call that pranking. Yeah, they call it no, because <laughs> it just creeps me out. Like, oh my god, it's like the strangers <laughs> or straw dogs. No, I mean, we, I, I did not stay home for trick or treaters on on Monday. We actually, I, I was feeling better, so we went to a what was called a, the Trail of Fears at a local farm. And, you know, I expected this happy-go-lucky, well, not happy-go-lucky, but, you know, just, like, actors and people dressed up and trying to scare you and stuff like that. So we show up at, you know, and so you you have the the huge house, and they actually have a real paranormal society there. They're like, did you know this place is actually haunted? like, no. And they said, well, the story is that apparently the house was built for this doctor, Dr. Eason, I think was his name. And he lived there with his wife and child, and or wife and daughter, and he used the house as a medical facility. So it was originally a medical facility, and he, he was very forward-thinking, used a lot of experimental drugs. Well, apparently, one of his patients went crazy because of these drugs, ended up living on the land without the family knowing, eventually killed the doctor, and then kidnapped his wife and daughter and tortured them for 31 days before they died on the land. And I'm like, and you thought to make this a tourist attraction, <laughs> the place of this horrible, horrible murder. Let's let's reenact it with actors and stuff. It was all it was all a little disturbing. <laughs> I, I just expected like you know, huh? That sounds a lot like the uh, the haunted hayride thing where I punched out a guy. It it really does. This the story sounds very similar. Except it wasn't a true story in our in my case. It was one of those, you know, you're walking through the, the field and oh hey, there's a guy, I didn't see him, and boom, punched. <laughs> well and, and so they and it was the oddest haunted house I've ever been to. Because you go through the house and then you come out the back of the house, down the very staircase that he dragged the wife and daughter. And then they put you on a bus. Like a, a yellow school bus. And then they drive you out to the field where he tortured the people. And then they have, like, the Trail of Fears, which is, you know, and they actually have actors reenacting everything and, and all that. And I'm like, this is this is all pretty morbid. I'm, okay. I'm all for, like, scary haunted houses and blood and guts. But I'm like, you're reenacting the torture of two women on the very land that they were tortured and murdered. Seems a little morbid. Just saying. Maybe they were just bullshit, Paul. Yeah, that's what I say. How do you know this was a true story? Every haunted house claims to be. No, I looked it up. I looked it up at, at, on Wikipedia. On, yeah, I looked it up on GreenbriarFarms.com. No, nice. <laughs> no, but I looked it up because they the the paranormal society is a real paranormal society. Like the house, they actually didn't have anything really in the house. They were actually going to do an actual ghost hunt later on in the night you know no actors no costumes or anything like that they were gonna look for evps and all that so it's not like they were just bullshitting about the story just 
kind of surprised me. I've got to be honest with you, because I'd never heard the story, and I only live like a half hour away from it. You'd think that would be a local urban legend. You'd think. But apparently not. Yeah. Well, you know, I just gave out candy to little kids. I didn't even have any teenagers this year, which is unusual. <laughs> I, I, so my wife shared one of these stories. Like I said, I missed most of this. I really wish I wouldn't have missed this. We, she was doing roasted pumpkin seeds in the kitchen, in the oven, and the uh, the dog got up on the counter and knocked off the tray. So she went to yell at the dog. Well, she did. A teenager in a really good zombie costume came up to the front door. He didn't ring the doorbell. He didn't knock. He starts clawing at the front screen door. She turns around and here's this really good zombie costume person, you know, clawing at the front door. And she said it just it scared the hell out of her. She screamed. She jumped. I, I wish I could have seen that because that would have <laughs> I would still be laughing about it. But she said the uh, he didn't talk at all. He only grunted. He only made zombie sounds. But he did grab his candy. Yeah, because apparently zombies don't need brains. They need candy. Well, well, they they, they actually need the, the candy to supplement their their diet of brains. It's like a chaser. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're like ve- they're like venom. They only eat brains because they don't have enough chocolate. Well, Tim, anything exciting on your end for Halloween? Have I told you guys the the, the Godfather story yet? Uh, I don't believe so. I, I could have sworn I told you this. Okay, so like kids these days, they have these little like rubber band things that they're all geeked about. Mm-hmm. They're called silly bands or something. So what Juanita does is that um, before Halloween, she'll get like you know a couple of bags of these things, and all the neighborhood kids, she'll tell them it's like, look. You trade me two pieces of chocolate, I'll give you this little rubber band thing. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. So, you know, she's she's playing the Godfather. She's making them offers they can't refuse, and we're getting candy out of it. And she's bullshitting them, isn't she? She actually bought a bag of rubber bands. <laughs> no, she's like, no, no you look, I got a silly shapes and colors and stuff. Yeah, no, she hasn't gone that far. But Why like, didn't you tell the story before Halloween? Because I have two things of those silly bands from Metropolis that I wanted to a Superman trivia contest. <laughs> Whoops. But yeah, yeah, no, so we've got like this big bowl full of candy and she's like, and I don't want any, just any two pieces of crappy chocolate. It's got to be three Musketeers or Reese's peanut butter cups or M&M, you know, so it's like getting all the good stuff and handing out rubber bands. So she, she's officially the godfather of the, of the, uh, <laughs> of the local Halloween candy situation. <laughs> now, Paul, Here. That almost sound that sounds horrible, almost like a horrible dream. You know, <clears throat> unrelated to Halloween, <laughs> but just as frightening. I had a horrible nightmare the other night. No, horrible. How horrible was it? So Paul? Let, let's let's go all Freud for a second, right? <clears throat> so, the new Underworld movie with Kate Beckinsale. I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer. It comes out in January. There's another Underworld movie? There's a new Underworld that's, movie coming out. That's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there is a new Underworld movie coming out in January, and I saw the trailer, you know, Kate Beckinsale, leather, hotness, blah, blah, blah. So that evening, I had a dream that, you know, for, for some reason, Kate Beckinsale and I were at a ski resort, and we were skiing and stuff. <laughs> and so, uh-huh. you know, after... Yes. Oh, at some point, did she wear a 
chicken suit? No, there were no – ooh, actually, I have a story about that too. Um, <laughs> yes. Of course you do. So I, so Kate Beckinsale and I, we, we ski, then we come back to the ski resort, and like things look like they're romantic – and so I kind of make my move on Kate Beckinsale. Things are getting smooth, aren't smooth, they, Paul? Really? The the Barry White comes on the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, we've seen this play. All right. <laughs> hey, Kate. Tell him it's Paul. <laughs> what do you think about you? You know. And and she turns me. That's down. my schmecky. Well, and here's the thing. She turns me down. Oh. And I woke <laughs> up, and I'm like, what the fuck? I was actually pissed <laughs> off when I woke up. I'm like, Kate Beckinsale turned me down in my dream. Even your subconscious knows you can't hit that ball. That's right. Yeah, exactly. No, but it your was. subconscious knows what we, we all know. <laughs> your, your, your reach was exceeding your grasp, Paul. Nope. <laughs> Thankfully, my, my subconscious doesn't know anything like that because I've had a few dreams with Jessica from uh, True Blood, the redheaded vampire. Huh. My subconscious has all kinds of delusions. Well, if you get it on with Kate Beckinsale, let Dream Paul know how it went. Take <laughs> Aaron, can you put the reins back on this thing? It's gotten creepy now. Well, I, there is a chicken story out there that, that Paul has teased. I have to hear the chicken story. Oh, uh, the chicken story. So this was a couple weeks ago, and I meant to bring it up on the podcast, but, you know, uh, it was the week before Aaron wasn't on the podcast. You know, we were, I don't know what, how it came up. I think there was something about S&M, and I'm like, and I was talking to my wife. I'm like, you know, what? that's just not my thing. And she says, no, no. She's like, but you could probably be a Furby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do, do, do you mean a furry? And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 furry, furry. She's like, we even have a chicken costume. And she, <laughs> and she, In and, case you didn't know. Well, and here's, and here's where it gets here's where it gets creepy. She said, well, yeah, you could put on the chicken costume. I'm like, why would I put on the chicken costume? <laughs> you, that's not how it works. <laughs> this is the greatest story ever, Paul. <laughs> so I, I am not wearing that chicken costume. <laughs> Why? <I>? Again. <laughs> Again. Once we... <laughs> After that week, I will not wear the chicken costume. Nice. Are you really a furry then, or aren't you a feathery? Well, do, do they have... Is there like a distinct population of featheries? I have no idea. You know more about this than I do. Well, I will yeah, Google this. Your kink, not ours. So. <laughs> no, don't Google that on a work computer. <laughs> uh, Google that on a computer you plan to burn the next day. So should we? Should we just talk about comics for a little bit? Maybe, maybe to cleanse the palate. Uh, anything will get us past Kate Beckinsale and you in Vail, Colorado. <laughs> well, should we talk about comics piracy? Sure. And, you know, perhaps <laughs> we could talk about the big, bald comic pirate who's going to charge a fee for his piracy subscription service. <laughs> so this guy, this guy is balls of steel, let me tell you. <laughs> Because he, 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 he decides, I'm going to, you know, you could download individually, but I will send you CDs of pirated comics for a certain price. And, you know, so he has this pirate subscription service. Like, if you want every DC comic in a month for 10 bucks, I'll send you a CD with, 10, with every DC comic every month. And I'm like, that just seems like poor planning. <laughs> 
But you know, that's it, how you get yourself shut down. Yeah. The moment you start making money off of it, they're going to come after you. Well, and you're putting it in the mail, so you know you, you've you have increased the severity of the penalties that that are assessed to you. Because in America, that would be a federal crime, but this guy apparently is is from uh, uh, England, you know, and I, I assume that because he's charging in British pounds. But uh, I, that, that's that's an international crime he's committing. Yeah. Yeah. Interpol is going to be knocking on his door. Hell with that. Warner Brothers going to be knocking on his door. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, every comic book released by DC in any given month, 10 British pounds. Every comic book released by Marvel in any given month, 10 British pounds. Every comic book released by Dark Horse, Image, Dynamite, IDW, etc. So... It, that last one is that a, a a compilation of all of those comic book publishing houses, or is it just the Dark Horse disc, just the Image disc, just the Dynamite disc? I'd imagine it's a compilation of all of them. I think that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to subscribe. No, and, and here's the crazy thing: like, how does he get them? Is my question. Like, like, do comic pirates actually buy the comics and then scan them, or are they store owners who get the comics and then they scan them like the night before? Because comic shops get their comics the day before. Like, how, how does this work? Because if I was a comic pirate, if as a comic fan, you know, I spent like 25 bucks this week on comics. Uh-huh. At no point has it occurred to me after reading my comics, I'm going to share them. Yeah. And scanning seems like it's just I've never scanned a comic in, mm-hmm. but it seems like it would be a lot of work. If you yeah, to scan it seems one page like a huge the next pain the in the next. ass, you know, to to make sure it looks good on, on you know, on uh, on screen to. I mean, that just seems like a huge pain in the ass to me. Well, and then they're double-sided pages. Like, how does it work? Like, do you actually have – is there a special comic scanner, you know, that will do double-sided pages? I just, it, it seems – Well, I think they're having I, – I think they're probably having to, to break the comic. I think they are having to unstaple, I think, that, you know, in order to get a good scan because otherwise you're going to get – page folds you're gonna get i mean i i think they i think they have to rip the comic book apart well um and here's my and so here's where i was coming up with this i i was wondering if maybe they were they had like an inside source in the comic companies or the scanning uh-huh. companies who do you know like they, they scan them to the pages you know like the printing companies and that kind of thing like maybe they just get their hands on the original comic file that at the printers well and i do think there's some of that i mean i've looked at a, at, at a few pirated comics before and the scan is too good it um, it looks like it comes straight from the digital file i mean the the resolution is as good as you'd see like on comiXology if not better in some circumstances you know the resolution seems so high it seems better than you would get from scanning the print copy so i mean i'm wondering what this guy does that he thinks he you know i i guess the ten dollars probably covers the price of the CD and shipping. Yeah. But still, well, it's not $10. It's 10 pounds. Well, I think the thing that kind of cracks me up about it is we, as a technology, we have moved away from the CD copy. I mean, everything's online. You just download that stuff. And sure, this take, you know, it's sometimes too hard to steal my comics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think if it's funny, this guy writes kind regards at the end of his of his pirate email. Yeah, ahoy, matey. <laughs> kind regards, Steve. He's kind regards, Steve. See, I'm predicting this guy's future here. And if there's one thing scarier than a haunted house that's set on the site of, you know, real grisly murders, 
it's the sight of a couple guys in business suits walking up to your house because there's nothing scarier than lawyers. Yeah. Maybe a lawyer in a chicken costume. Yeah, this this guy's off his nut. Just saying. <laughs> well, and and if correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they name don't they put the guy's name in the article? Yes. Yep. Like, hey, yeah, in case lives. you're wondering, this guy who's doing illegal things, bam. He lives in Glasgow. Come see him. Yeah. <laughs> right there. He's the one with the thirty with the three hundred dollar electric bill every month from scanning comics. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you know, there may be fewer comics for him to scan. Well, probably because he's pirate, he's making the money off of the comics, but DC Comics is not. That's right. Newsarama reports this week that there are 10 of the new 52 that are on the bubble, you know, that are that are, you know, possibly going to be canceled. And I went and like all good news sources Surely they provide all of the details on where they got this information and how they determined that these are the 10 being canceled, right? They they quote DC, right, at some point in this? No, this is all conjecture on their part. This is all speculation and conjecture. That's what we call journalism that, at News. That's yeah, like, just saying. That I would like to officially, <laughs> since two of these books on their list are books I'm reading, Resurrection Man and Voodoo, uh-huh. I want to officially tell them, fuck you. Yeah. And your list. Well, you know... uh, there's only one book on this list that I've even read the first issue of, and that's Voodoo, a book that, that I pull, a book that I enjoy. A book that you know has gotten some controversial press, but has gotten good press. But you know some of these others aren't books that I was interested in. These are, are books that are atypical in the DC universe, such as you know Captain Adam is a, is a little bit different. But you know you've also got books like you know as you said Resurrection Man, but also Mister Terrific. Well, and let's face it, some of these we predicted the, would end up failing pretty quickly, too. Right. You know, we said Captain Adam wouldn't last very long. We mentioned we didn't think Mr. Terrific would last very long. OMAC, we thought, would fail pretty quickly. Well, and Static Shock is just terrible. So, you know, I did read that first issue and was looking forward to it, wanted it to be a fantastic book, and it was awful. So, I mean, I, I, I am excited to see that Static Shock is going to be uh, leaving the shelves because you know, if that's actually the case, because it's just terrible. It it shouldn't be taking up shelf space. No, I was just, very surprised to be. see. I say I was very surprised to see Voodoo on the list, but not see uh, Batwing. I assumed Batwing would get canceled pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, any thoughts about the uh, these ten of these books that are on the bubble? They all look shitty. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. Like, I like OMAC. I, I like OMAC a lot. And now, it was the lowest selling. Now, and here's the thing. So, OMAC was the lowest selling of the new 52 titles. However, all 52 titles were still in the top 100 for the month that right. they were released. <clears throat> not only that, DC for January. I mean, not for January. For, you know, because Jan- we're, uh, we're fucking in October now. Or November now. Uh, November, Paul. Back to the future. Yeah. For October 2011, DC took 52% of the market share. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of nice. Yeah. And it definitely doesn't look like DC's given up on these books because they're doing some crossovers in January to try to promote some books like OMAC. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're really giving up. on. I think even Dan Didio has said that they're not really, you know, everything's pretty much getting six issues before they evaluate or before they start talking about cancellation. I think OMAC was partially 
doomed from the beginning just because of the name. OMAC, the original concept I know was popular back in the day, but that really horrible storylines dealing with the new OMACs over the last few years, I guess it's even further back than a few years now, I think the name OMAC is more associated in readers' minds, definitely in my mind, with those stupid blue guys now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably hurt by the title of the book because everyone thinks, oh, this is just more of that, people turning into these creatures and those were really bad storylines, and I don't want to touch it. Because I know when issue one came out, my thought was, oh, this is just those really stupid blue guys, and I don't want to touch that. And, yeah. you know, and that's a good point. I mean, you know, it, it had some baggage. but and, and I just want to correct myself. DC had 51% of the unit share. Oh! I know. Shoddy reporting. Just call me news around. God! <laughs> and Marvel had 30% of the... So, I mean, apparently that's the biggest jump ever between the first and second place now but dc only had 42 percent of the dollar share for the month because it's lower prices right. of the comics but still i mean 42 percent of the dollar share and 51 percent mm-hmm. on the second month of the new 52 and of course you know we're talking about second printings and stuff like that but sure it's, it's still a pretty sizable jump and it's you know it, it's more of the market share than they had even during the first month of the new 52. You know, I'd be really curious to see what the market share is on the digital side, because I know that Ultimate Spider-Man number one actually took number one for digital sales. And that makes me wonder, is, you know, is it just that the ultimate titles or maybe just that particular one sells more digitally than some of the DC stuff? Or is the digital push that DC was doing not really living up to what they thought it would? I think they... I think they expected it to be this whole other thing, right? That people would be interested in DC Comics and they would buy them digitally instead. But I think what we're seeing is that people, even people who normally don't buy comics, will still go to the comic shop and buy a comic rather than buy it digitally. And, and you know, maybe once you know there, the Kindle Fires and the iPads and all these color digital readers have been on the market for a couple of years, maybe things will change. But, I mean, Marvel's going day-and-day day digital next year, too, I think, in March. With yep. their entire line. That, that, I think that's fantastic. I was excited to see it because I won't be touching you know, the digital stuff because I just don't like reading books digitally. But it means that guys like Andrew that has a, had a really horrible comic shop can come back and start reading whatever he wants without having to deal with El Camino Comics. That's right. I really, you know, we've got to get somebody on the show to talk to us about what the lead time is for them to make a digital comic, to make it fit inside that Comixology app with all the scanning and panning. I really would like to see what that does to their lead time. Yeah, I mean, because it, it's got to, it can't, I don't imagine it would be a one day job per comic. To me, it seems like it's rather labor intensive. And I'm sure this is huge for Comixology. I'm, I'm sure that this is great big business for them. I'm just, I'm just curious what that is. If you're going to make it available the same day you're you're printing, that I think that I think that's that's got to be a, a chunk of a lead time. And particularly when you look at how many books DC and Marvel release every week, when you think of how many uh, dollars we spend in books each week and the number of things that we cut off the list because we don't have time to talk about them, I mean, that's a that's a lot of books to scan and you know make ready for those Comixology apps. It's not just making a PDF available. Well, I have a question for you, Aaron. As someone who's owned an iPad for over a year now, uh-huh. you still don't fully subscribe to any comics on digital. The only reason I don't 
fully subscribe is the price point. I, you know, like for instance, the new 52, the week they come out, they're 299. I don't think that's the appropriate price point. I think personally that the digital comics are worth about a buck 50 a pop. Somewhere between ninety nine cents and a dollar fifty. I really have an issue with the with a two dollar price point on digital comics. I yeah, also it, I also think that there should be a subscription service where I make a commitment to buy the year's worth of detective comics, for instance, digitally. I should get a price break on that, and that that service does not currently exist. Yes, it does, uh, Aaron. Steve. you know i agree with all of those points Aaron, and i'll take it one step further i think if they really want to get new readers in the price point has to be touched i I mean because it's painful for us the books that we get and the amount it adds up to you can't expect a new reader a kid if if you're wanting to get the younger readers in which i think you need to do yeah to spend the amount, you know, kind of money we're spending on these books, you've got to find a way to lower the price point without lowering the quality. Well, and digi- digital is a good way to do that. Your expenses are still there, but you're cutting some of them. Well, and the the problem that that DC, Marvel, IDW, and Dark Horse, and Boom are all experiencing right now is that they are trying to build the digital marketplace while also preserving their relationships with the brick-and-mortar brick comic book stores. And they are doing everything they can not to offend the retailer. And, you know, I just don't know how much of that you can do in a, in a true open and free marketplace. I think, that, I think you really kind of need to look at what would the success of digital be if we, di- we went whole hog into it. I am really curious. You know, we were we talked about previously about Archie Comics going into a full-on digital mode for their new superhero line. You know, the uh, Red Circle books coming back. I'm curious to see how that takes off, tempered by the fact that none of those characters are particularly popular. But you know, I would much rather pay a subscription service to somebody like Marvel and say, okay, here's my X amount of dollars for the month. Give me full access to your vault. Let it stream to my computer like Netflix. I don't have to own it, and if I don't pay you next month, I don't have access to those books. Well, I think that's the way to go. I think that you you pay an ongoing subscription fee so that you can access those titles. I agree. I, yeah, I mean, and you've got people like us that tend to want to have some of these back issues, mm-hmm. but that's not the next generation. I mean, if you look at Netflix, that business model works. Yes, people it does. want people want entertainment on demand and they don't necessarily need to own a copy i mean i still occasionally get dvds but it's pretty rare at this point and i know a lot of people have just completely gone away from owning the media because they can just go request it on streaming or rent it well and i am yeah we've had this conversation before so i won't beat it too long but i am less interested in maintaining an archive of long boxes than i am in having trades on the shelf you know, I'd much rather have a collection in trades that, that is more accessible to read because I don't collect for value. I collect because I want to read them. And so I would love to be able to get my floppy fix on my iPad and then buy my trades from my retailer when the story is collected. You know, I, I at this point, I'm still hoping to get a Kindle Fire here uh, when one, <laughs> when they come out here in a couple of weeks. And I think I will be reading a lot digitally. Yeah. No, I, I still think I will be looking to my local comic shop for the books that I currently purchase. 
mm-hmm. but that's primarily a loyalty thing. Because I got to be honest, like if if I enjoy reading books on the Kindle Fire, I would I would I would replace everything digitally. Well, but uh, Paul, okay, so you're paying two ninety nine right now for Detective Comics, right? Yes. You know, for your floppy of Detective Comics, are you telling me that you're comfortable paying two ninety nine for simply a digital copy of Detective Comics? Yeah. Really? I would. I, See, I, actually, I feel like that's just a big scroogey. I feel like I'm getting dicked on that one. And you know what? And here's the thing. And I, I, I don't disagree with you because I would say the whole reason that comics are supposedly as expensive as they are is the cost of printing, right? Right. That's, the, that's what they've told us. Print goes up, co- computer coloring, new paper. That's why comics are so the, expensive. Yeah, the cost of shipping as the uh, the gas prices went up, things like that. Yeah. So, you know, why are digital comics the same price is really the question. And I, and but we just said it seems labor intensive to scan the comics and and such. So I I got to be honest, to a certain extent, I don't think they're going to go down. As much as we would love them to go down, I don't think they're going to go down. And so it's either well, embrace it. Now, you know, to a certain extent, I already speak with my wallet. There are three ninety nine books that I am straight up not buying because they're three ninety nine. Right. But you know, there are some expenses to digital ones that aren't there for physical. They need somebody, you know, they need someone that actually knows digital layout to do the layout for like the Comicsology app and things like that. I don't believe for a second they're scanning every book in though. I think that's already happened. I, when it goes to the printers, I don't think they're sending them some sort of physical copy to the printers. No. I think they're sending them a digital copy that they're then printing. So I think the digital aspect already exists. It's just the reformatting, which I don't want to trivialize because they do a lot of effort on the Comixology app to basically to line everything up, have it pop up. And there is some effort there. But what? that's one person's salary versus all of the salaries involved in printing. And how many times have you had a new comic book reader tell you, you know, I, I have a hard time tracking, you know, which which bubble do I read first? You know, is it left to right or do I go top to bottom? And, you know, there's actually legitimate confusion on new comic book readers' parts. So the Comixology app is actually more new reader friendly to the medium than it is than, than the print is. Because you know, they know exactly where to read. As for which bubble to read, I have to admit that uh, after all of these years of reading, I've just recently in the last month gotten into a couple of mangas. I've always disliked manga until recently, but I've noticed my taste have changed enough that I've gotten into them. So after reading a, a bunch of these manga books, I went back to a comic and I found myself reading the panels in the wrong direction at first. Yeah, even even after all this time, I can't switch back and forth easily. It throws me going from one where I'm reading from right to left to going back to a normal book. And he, well, here's what I think digital needs to do if they really want it, because you're right, they are new reader friendly. However, the price point is not. And I, I, I think that actually, I think most comic companies should adopt the same model that Vertigo Comics does, which is number one issues are a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, new new titles. First issue is a buck. You get your ter- your first taste for a buck. I really wish more comic companies would do that because you know I got to be honest. Like last week's Incredible Hulk number one, I don't think yeah. I would have hated it as much if it was only a dollar. <laughs> hmm. DC's New Fifty Two. Can you imagine? Imagine how huge, how much huger it would have been if it was a dollar for the number one. If issues. they were a dollar, I would have bought every single yeah. issue. Every Even issue. the books I had no interest in at all, I would have given a chance for a dollar. Yeah. 
And it just seems like I, I, I understand that seems like it's losing money, but if you're talking digital, you're already saying digital is a supplement to the paper sales, you know, to right. the to the to, to the hard copy sales. Not and uh, it's not going to replace it. So if it's already supplemental, go with the one dollar digital price point for new ish, for first issues, yeah. and see what that does to your floppy sales. You know, and see what it does for the digital sales. I bet you it'll be huge. Yeah, I think that they need. They already give away a lot of content digitally. I think they need to. I think the digital format should have a better price. I think they should give away more books. Like, give away the first issue of a new story arc. You know, not every single story arc, but say you've got a book that you're really wanting to promote, give that first issue of Regenesis away. Get your folks interested or special content digitally. The, you know, we, we get these prequels before we move into a big event. You know, you get the, the big, you know, before Fear Itself or something. You know, you've got the, the road to Fear Itself. Do that digitally. Make that a digital exclusive. Make it free. Yeah. Or like this. And get people into it. Like next week. And, and we'll, we'll, I promise we'll get to new comic releases here in, in a minute. <laughs> next week, Marvel has a point. Marvel Point One is coming out, which is previews and it's new stories that introduce all of the upcoming Marvel titles. So we'll get it's essentially like Point One of Scarlet Spider. So we'll get a new Scarlet Spider story. This is building up all everything that's coming up for the coming year in Marvel is this Point One book. It's a huge book. It's it's kind of like the the Countdown to Infinite Crisis was. Now, Aaron, how, do you remember how much Countdown to Infinite Crisis was? A dollar. A dollar. Yeah. Do you do you know how much Marvel Point One is? How much? Five ninety nine. Good grief! Seriously, this is an opportunity to give people looks into other titles that they wouldn't necessarily get, and they're charging six bucks. Yeah, I, I want the preview to Scarlet Spider, but I'm not going to pay six bucks for a preview yeah. for books. Exactly. If a book is that important, and and I got to be honest, the more important a book is, the less the company should charge for it. Yeah. Be completely agree because that is what will bring people in to read it. But well, I'm gonna fire off my email to uh, Stephen Chandler of Glasgow <laughs> and get my subscription service ready because his pricing is is appropriate. So <laughs> I mean, sure, I'm gonna have to do the conversion from dollars to British pounds, but that's that sounds that's like the Jeff Gerber will yeah, get and this here. subscription will only last last a month or two until the police show up at his house. <laughs> but for those couple buds, that is a pretty good price. Well, and the police might show up at my house as well, since you know, <laughs> I am I, I am buying stolen goods and receiving it through the mail. So you didn't know. So, just don't yeah. just don't let them listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know he wasn't on the up and up? He was advertising. That's right. Yeah, surely right. he would have been shut site, down. Like leadingcool.com. dot com. It's got to be. Uh, it's got to be you know legal, right? <laughs> Duh. So, so let's talk about books we didn't steal. That's right. That's right. Amazing Spider Man number six seventy three epilogue. To okay, Spider Island. First thing I have to ask you guys about this one. What did you guys think of the art? Uh, I thought the art was terrible. The art looked like ass. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? I'm sorry. That was anti-Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> no, the art was beautiful in this book. Yes, it was. It was so beautiful, so smooth, so crisp, so not Ramos. Can so we keep this guy? People. Yeah, can we keep this guy? Can we keep him? I like Ramos. <laughs> Well, Caselli, Caselli was one of the one the one of the guys that was in in the 
you know, in the cycle, wasn't yeah. he, Paul? Yeah, in the yeah. He did yeah. the uh, the Spider Slayer storyline, and then right. he did the uh, the FF crossover. So yeah, he, I mean, he, he's just one of the artists. Like you know, they rotate out every couple months and or every month, I think. And he apparently likes to draw naked people. Yeah. yeah. Lots and lots of naked people. There's a lot of nakedness in this book. I, I was particularly amused with naked Hercules and how uh, Firestar is is uh, taking a peek of his junk there. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Because, you know, it's like a baby's arm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying. Anyway, yeah. uh, so Amazing so, Spider-Man 673, the epilogue to Spider-Island. Uh, New York is is picking up the pieces, uh, literally, and, and cutting apart the pieces of the, the Spider Queen. And so th- this issue features a pretty big uh, pretty big breakup, Yeah, Wayne. Yeah, I felt bad for Wayne when I read this. I loved it. I was like, yes, dump her at! Well, I mean, she didn't, he didn't <laughs> dump her, but dump his ass. No, she dumped him. You know, I have to say, this was the this was my book of the week, as well as the best Spider-Man book I've read since coming back to Spider-Man. I good. loved every single page of this. I really love all the interactions with Mary Jane. I love her keeping the powers and swinging for a while. I like the Carly breakup. As much as I like Carly, I don't think she's gone from the book now. And it's it made sense the way it all you know worked out. And I think she's a stronger character for having figured out and dumped him. I hated this fucking book. Really? I, hate, I can't get over the Carly thing. Like everything else was awesome. The art was awesome. Like the the interactions were awesome. There was some funny moments. I, I but this whole like Mary Jane getting back in the picture, we're not gonna move forward kind of momentum that I feel like we're getting. I don't like it. I yeah, don't and like that was one. That was one of the reasons I I loved it. Is it seemed like they were fixing things. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and <laughs> now we're gonna get a story about the vulture. That's great. Yeah, I'm not as looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, fantastic. Sure. Let's 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 channel our 19, you know, 67 Stan Lee comics again. Those are good comics. You know, I've been rereading all those that's through fantastic. the essential line. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not I'm not happy. I I really enjoyed it. I don't normally care for the epilogue stories from the events because usually it's just shine and yawn. But I thought it I thought it wrapped the story nicely particularly enjoyed you know the interaction between spider-man and mary jane as well as how mr fantastic spun the uh you know eddie brock element of the story i thought it was good i really dug it i I had a great sense of humor um i loved the scenes between uh professor warren and the jackal you know because you knew that there were jackal clones around and you know maybe the original was was killed maybe he wasn't but I, I dug it. I liked the interplay between uh, Kane and Peter. Did you notice? I want to point Kane out Kane was wearing a hoodie. Yeah, <laughs> a blue hoodie. A blue hoodie. But it wasn't sleeveless. Just saying, wasn't sleeveless yet. But it's a blue hoodie. <laughs> it'll get torn in the next issue, or at point one, it'll get torn. <laughs> that, no. Now, yeah. I, now did I you like the Jackal that, stuff too. Did you notice that Stefano Caselli draws Aunt May a little hot? Just saying. <laughs> Like, you know, you're, you're seeing her there in the uh, airport scene, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'd tap that. Yeah. She almost looks like a teenager. There. She does almost look like a teenager. Teenager with white hair. I mean, yeah. that's not that odd. Yeah, I like <laughs> the uh, I like the jackal stuff because I was bothered that the queen 
which was a character that I was the only one on the podcast that knew anything about. And I thought she was a pretty poor character to begin with. I was kind of bothered that she was the one behind everything. And I like seeing that the Jackal was really using pretty much using her. Yeah. I got a kick out of that because I was, you know, Jackal should be the main villain of the storyline. And he was and he gets away. Yeah. I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed that. I loved all the Mary Jane Peter in her play. I don't think Carly's gone from the book. I think we'll see a lot more of her. I don't, I don't know if they'll get back together or anything, but I enjoyed that scene. Yeah. What surprised me was what that scene led to. I didn't realize that the spell that Doctor Strange had cast was keeping people from figuring out that he was Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a one-time memory wipe. I didn't know it was ongoing until recent issues. So this whole time, it hasn't made any sense to me why Carly wouldn't figure this out. This suddenly makes sense. If that spell was continuing ongoing so people can't figure it out unless he reveals it, suddenly all of these really stupid excuses he's coming up with, the fact that they were working makes more sense. Right. They weren't working. It was magic. A wizard did it. Well, but and, and it's, so I got to be honest, there's a little bit of flawed logic there, because since Doctor Strange casted his spell, which is how for those of you who did not read uh, One More Day, that that's how Mephisto rewrote reality was that Doctor Strange was the one who erased everyone's memory of uh, Peter Parker's unmasking. But he's already unmasked, unmasked himself to the new Avengers and to the FF. So I'm, I'm a little curious as to, you know, Doctor Strange says, well, you've unmasked yourself to people. Now I can't help you. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, I did it on TV. But he'd already done it before. So I'm not exactly sure how that works. But point is, I guess people can learn that Peter Parker's Spider-Man. So, I mean, he, as, to Tim's point, there's a lot of backtracking on the things that have happened in the last couple of years as a result of Brand New Day and and, and all that stuff, because now Carly's breaking up with him, and now people can know that he's Peter Parker. But, I mean, I, I enjoyed the book. I would have probably been more upset by the Carly breakup if I hadn't been reading these old Spider-Man books. In the old books, he had this continual string of girlfriends. And it was, you know, he would date someone, they would break up, he'd date them again, he'd date someone else. And it was a lot of, you know, girls going in and out of his life. So I kind of think that's what they'll be going for here. I don't think they're going to get him back with Mary Jane. I think we may see a new girlfriend and then a breakup and then a new girlfriend for a while. That's one of the things I'm enjoying about the old books quite a bit. Of course, the old books are older writing. The women in there are just absolutely insane. But I like the the interplay, the three-way love triangles going on in those books. And I think that's what they're setting up here. Mary Jane and whoever the new girlfriend's going to be. Or Hildman and Carly will make up, and then there'll be a three-way love triangle there. And or just a three-way. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be so hot. Can we keep this artist for the three-way? Because he likes drawing naked people. <laughs> we'll just watch Spider-Man Triple X, a porn parody. There you go. <laughs> I'm down with that. So Well, you know. Now, I, I understand where Tim's coming from. This does feel like it's a lot of steps back. That's one of the things I liked about it, though, is it's more of a return to the Spider-Man I like. And that's why I like the the steps backwards, because it's back into something that I like. Mary Jane was so wonderful in this issue with the swinging web swinging and the conversations. And I've missed her character. I still miss them being married. I want all of that undone and want them married again. But I know that's not going to happen anytime soon. 
So I think it's apropos to say that Tim felt he was screwed by Amazing Spider-Man 673. Much like I felt screwed by Action Comics number three. Really? Well, first of all, it's a 20-page book for three ninety nine again. Yeah. Which, you know, god damn it, DC. Seriously. If you have figured out it's 20 pages, make the price change by now. It's been two months. There's no excuse not to. Yeah, I was going to say the same comment about it. I was when I finished it and realized how much extra stuff is at the back and how basically how short the actual story was. I was I was upset by that, too. Well, and I, I, three ninety nine for this is this is ridiculous. I want to say something because I, I know I'm being harsh on this book for doing essentially the same thing Marvel does because <laughs> Marvel charges three ninety nine for 19 page books for 20 page books. And we don't complain. But DC makes a point of saying, holding the line of two ninety nine, and you know, it makes it, it, I expect better from DC. I'm, I'm used to getting dicked over by Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, uh-huh. it sounds like you enjoyed Action Comics number three. I did. I liked the book. I agree. It was it was too short, and I disagree with the price point. I don't feel like I got a a three ninety nine value in my uh, in my book. But you know, other than that. I like the character. I enjoyed the artwork in the book. I enjoyed the story in the book. I, I, I have a couple of, of critical things I'd like to say in that, you know, I think that they're, they're making the point that Superman can be hurt in his early days, you know, that he's not as super as he becomes later on. But they try and make him look hurt and he just looks dirty, you know, and I just want Superman to take a bath. Yeah. You know, I, want Clark, I, want, I want Clark Kent to get a good scrubbing. That's what. That's one of the the artistic repre- representations that I don't care for in the book. I also don't care for the way he dresses. He is wearing a shirt that is like eight times too big for him. It's got to hide you his know. muscles. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's why he's drawn that way. Yeah, I don't care for it. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with both of those points. I still, I love the issue too. I mean, I like this Clark Kent. I like this earlier Superman in here. I'm the supporting cast are good. I really enjoyed their Krypton stuff, how they're setting up what Krypton was like. Yeah. The only major complaint I had was the shortness of the book. Mm-hmm. And I did think also everything you pointed out, he didn't look hurt. He looked dirty. Those yeah. don't look like bruises. Those look like dirt smudges. Yeah. Take a bath. Man. Yeah. Come on. Clark. Come on. <laughs> you're, a, you're a fucking reporter, man. Show some. Pride. Are you invulnerable to soap and water? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm also super noticing dirt. is uh they seem to be doing the ultimate Spider-Man thing of let's tie in the villain's origins all together right. in the beginning. So we're getting, I think, at least three villain origins all tied together into one storyline. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I always have. If you're going to have crazy things cause someone's origin, then it kind of makes sense that that crazy event could cause multiple origins. And, you know, Then you don't have to have, we have five, one in a million odds for someone to become a uh, a supervillain all happen within you know a month time period. No, you have one one in a million thing happen, and now you've got multiple villains. Yeah, I, I got to be honest, I didn't enjoy Action Comics as much as you guys seem to have. I felt the issue, and maybe it was a result of the length, but I felt the issue was very rushed. I felt a little disjointed. It jumped from scene to scene without much transition. Uh, in fact, there's a couple pages in a row where. You know, Clark's talking with Lois and Jimmy at the diner, and all of a sudden he's outside, and someone says there's a ghost dog watching over you. I mean, that just seemed – I was like, wait, what? 
Yeah, I didn't like the ghost dog comment at all. Yeah, I thought that was a little uh, odd. Yeah, I think what Paul's getting at, though, is that he's used to bigger. And this just didn't, he couldn't feel it because it was too too small. Exactly. Aaron Aaron and I are, we can handle the smaller better. We don't need the bigger. That sounds so dirty the way you said that, (laughs) Ryan. Well, speaking of... That was entirely intentional. I was channeling channeling my inner Jonathan. Uh, We appreciate Uh, that. Well, you know, I I, I really don't know how to transition to this book because... (laughs) I was asked to buy Avengers Academy number 21 this week, the first issue of a new era, right? Uh, Is it, yep. Paul, are you upset because you did not get to see Naked Hazmat? Uh, I'm upset because this book sucked. Seriously? What? I hated what? this issue. What is wrong with you? I hated this comic. This book was great. What? Yeah. I love this book. This is awesome. Yeah. If it wasn't for Amazing Spider-Man, this would have been my book of the week. What? Yeah. What is wrong with all of you? What is wrong with us? What's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong. With yeah. You. Except that I listen. To you. you are broken. <laughs> you are broken, Paul. Broken, or perhaps a shattered hero. <laughs> perhaps. Oh, so, does anyone other than me know that White Tiger character? Yeah. Yeah. No. The the uh, a while back, the uh, the author that wrote the new White Tiger miniseries is one of my wife's favorite authors. So I picked that up for her, and she read through the miniseries. And it's, this was years ago. I barely even remember the miniseries. It's the only thing I know the character from. But it's kind of ironic that this book came out this week because last night I took her to a book signing of this author. This, uh, her name's Tamara Pierce. So I met the author that had created this version of White Tiger last night. And I had a little conversation where I mentioned to her that they just brought the character back. And she's like, I, I don't want to hear anything about it. So I I wrote it. I've stepped away. They already, you know, turned her into a zombie at some point. And she's like, I I don't want to even know what they're doing with her now. She's a little bitter. Yeah, she said, fuck you. That's really what she said. (laughs) She said, I'm not signing your shit because you're an asshole. (laughs) Paul. Paul. Yes. I didn't have anything for her to sign anyway. I had my wife's books. I don't read her stuff. (laughs) What did you hate about this book? I just like. Explain to me. Okay, and I don't know these characters. Let me put that out there. I don't know these characters to have the emotional attachment that you guys do with them. But I just I thought it was poorly written. There's this big fight between Avengers Academy and the actual Avengers that makes no sense. There's really no point to it. It's just like, hey, we need some action in this book, so let's have a pointless fight. Uh, and, and and I got to be honest, I, what the hell happened at the end? Yeah, that probably wasn't real. Clear. That's setting up the next storyline. That's obviously the future. At some yeah. point, they turned into villains, and they have replaced Reptil with well, the future version of Reptil. They switched ex- their bodies. See, and that explains why Reptil's able to do the more advanced shape-changing that his younger form isn't. You, know, you were given kind of this explanation earlier, but now that seems to be bogus. It seems to be because he's possessed by his future self. Okay, and maybe it was just a little confusing to me because I'm reading the book, and all of a sudden I turn to the last page, and it shows Reptil in the chamber with, like, these goggles on, and I'm like, so was the entire issue virtual reality? No. And it was all in his head? No. Like, I, 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 that, that, that ending didn't work for me. I'm a little pissed that Jocasta is dead because I actually really like Jocasta. She's not really dead. She's really dead. Quicksilver said, she's really dead. No. 
quote yeah, but I don't believe she's really. She was doing something there. I think she's she's fine somewhere. Mm, Quicksilver says she's not really fine. dead, and I appreciate that you're upset about it, Paul. But she's gonna be okay. This is comics. Come on. <laughs> but but no, because Bucky died. Uh, not 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 so much. <laughs> <laughs> so in fear itself, Bucky Cap was, and please hear the air quotes here, killed. And, you know, everyone mourned, and it was a dark, dark day because he got his arm ripped off and beaten with it and killed. Fear Itself 7.1, Captain America, has the big emotional image on the cover of Steve Rogers' Captain America cradling the dead body of Bucky Cap Captain America. And, of course, Ed Brubaker pitched a wall-eyed bitch on Twitter this week because people were spoiling Fear Itself 7.1 after we've spent six months keeping this story quiet. People revealing that Bucky is actually still alive. Cry me a river, Brubaker. So uh, my favorite webcomic is uh, it's a comic called The Gutters. And they did a parody this week of Bucky. Basically, it's uh, they said it's sung to the tune of The Cat Came Back. Only it's Bucky Came Back. So they keep talking about him dying, and then, uh, but then the very next day, Bucky came back. It was hilarious. So, so Aaron, you're the only one who who was. Um, I, I don't want to say stupid, <laughs> but we'll go with a. We'll, we'll say stupid is a similar word to to uh-huh. uh, to, to buy Fear Itself seven point one. Well, you know, I bought Fear Itself 7.1 because I like Ed Brubaker's work on Captain America. Yes. really do. And I knew that this was going to be a Captain America book, and so I bought it. And I loved this book. I thought this book was well-written. I think there is a timing issue with this book, though. Um, and, of course, in the book, we find that Bucky, not as dead as we thought. You know, he was mostly dead. And what the, the body that was there in Fear Itself and later buried – was an LMD. I know that's, you know, what? particularly satisfying for Tim. But uh, Nick Fury had this LMD lying in wait because at the end of the trial of Captain America, Bucky was going to be, you know, expatriated back to Russia where he was going to, you know, serve out a term in a gulag there. So Nick Fury had this LMD lying in wait because he was planning on doing a big switcheroo. But even better, Dark Asgard comes along and nearly kills Bucky, and it makes it easy just to swap out the body. That's what they do. Wait, 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 wait. Did Captain America know all this? No. Oh, okay. Cap doesn't find out until this issue and literally beats the living snot out of Nick Fury for making him think that Bucky was dead. I think the story is really very good. It's rather entertaining. I liked it a lot. My complaint, number one, is don't try and convince me that all after all the work that you did with the Winter Soldier, Bucky becoming Captain America, that you're just going to kill him offhand in fear itself. Nobody, nobody, nobody believed that Bucky was really dead, right? But if you want this story to have more gravitas... You don't tell it the week after Fear Itself finishes up. You tell this story maybe next year when you're going to launch Winter Soldier. Because, you know, Bucky's coming back with his own series. And I think you let Bucky lie fallow there for a while. 
this is the prequel comic to your Winter Soldier series. I think it would have. I think it would have been more interesting to read it in that kind of timing. Yeah. I mean, uh, so Bucky was dead for what thirty years, and now yes. he hasn't. The second the second death of Bucky lasted about you know thirty days. Yeah, yeah. But I, I got to tell you, the the artwork was beautiful. Butch Geis uh, does the pencils in the book, and there are several Kirby homages in the book. I I just. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a strong story. I'm just amused at, at Brubaker's complaints that people spoiled the ending on the internets when Marvel does it in press conferences. Just saying. Anyway, I like Fear Itself 7.1. I will not be picking up 7.2 or 7.3 because both of those look ridiculous. <laughs> it's just ridiculous that there would be Fear Itself 7.1, 7.2, and 7.3. Yeah, I'm not picking up 2 or 3. But you know what I did pick up? Peanuts number zero from Kaboom. Is that like the dark and gritty reboot of Charlie Brown? <laughs> yes, it's the ultimate comics presents. <laughs> Charlie, Charles Brown Jr. That's right. Yeah. It's an ultimate reboot, Charlie Brown. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I read it too, actually. So Peanuts number zero is, I guess, uh, there is going to be an ongoing Peanuts series. Um, so Peanuts number zero is a, a mix of new short stories and classic Peanuts. Just like a, a little anthology story. <laughs> so it's mixed nuts? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, Tim, a little bit. Now, you know, I, I was a, a huge Peanuts fan when I was a kid, and I still have a, a very uh, tender spot in my heart for you know the, the Charlie Brown gang. I really enjoy Charles Schultz's earlier artwork on the, on, on the uh, uh, Peanuts books. And everything in here that is original Charles Schultz stuff, love it. You know, and of course, I've seen these strips before. They're familiar characters. They're familiar stories. But it's nice to see them digitally uh, reprocessed, the colors updated, all that kind of fun stuff. I did not care for the new content. Really? Yeah, really strongly didn't care for the new content. I thought the new content, I wouldn't say I loved it, but I thought it was serviceable. The I, the, I didn't care for the artwork because it, it is very much in keeping with uh, the very commercial aspects of, of the way the characters were, were presented back in the 70s and the 80s. I just I really prefer the, the looser style that Schultz had in the in the first two decades of drawing the book. I, I'm excited to see that they're that they're going to be making these available. You know, that these are going to be coming back out. I thought it was a fun book. I mean, it's it's not going to take you long to read. <laughs> but yeah. no, it, it was it was a very fast read. But I, I mean, I did enjoy it. I got to be honest, I um I will say, yes, I enjoyed the classic stuff more than the, the modern stuff. The classic stuff is just a little more witty. The modern stuff is just uh, is more silly than witty. Yeah, and I would agree. You know, there there is one strip in here, you know, and you forget sometimes how grown up the, the strip can be. And so, you know, it's the scene. It's one of the many scenes where you see Lucy with the football trying to convince Charlie Brown to kick it. And, of course, invariably, she pulls the, the football out of his out of the way. You know, and that's happened so many times where where she's pulled the football out of the way and Charlie Brown has landed flat on his back, you know, trying to kick the football. And so he's not going to be fooled. He says, ha, I wouldn't try that for a million dollars. You won't hold it. You'll pull it away and I'll kill myself. And so Lucy bursts out into tears. You know, you don't trust me. You think I'm no good. You have no faith in me. And of course, you know, Charlie Brown's like, hey, whoa, whoa, I'm sorry. I'll kick the ball. And so he runs to kick the ball, espousing that he has faith in her. She pulls the ball. 
He crashes on his back, and Lucy says, never listen to a woman's tears, Charlie Brown. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's a little harsh. That's a little more grown up than I recall. <laughs> Ultimate Charlie Brown, like we said. That's right. Well, I, and I understand that uh, Nick Fury will be in it as well. So yeah, he's trying to recruit Charlie Brown for the Avengers. <laughs> That's no, right. It's an LMD of pig pen. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> With his iPad. When Dark Asgard comes and kills everyone in. Uh, well, and Snoopy will be flying the helicarrier. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're going to put this one in the ground. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but i enjoyed it i thought it was fun I, I won't say i loved it price point was perfect how much was it aaron <laughs> was it was it a dollar it was a shiny or you know crispy dollar yeah that is no it was, it, the right it was good point. it was good i'd like to see i really would like to see less original material from right. non-charles schultz people i'd like to see more of the of the older stuff. Yeah, and I disagree with you. Um, as much as I enjoyed the Charles Schultz stuff more, I, I would be pissed if it was just reprints. Because I mean, well, and I'm not saying uh, like completely without. I just I don't want to see as much of it because there there are a couple of new things here, and I would rather do one new thing, and the rest of it be reprints. Sure. Well, Aaron, what Aaron's saying he's is he's okay with new material as long as it's from a guy named Charles Schultz. That's right. I don't think that's good. yeah. If you if you could if you could get zombie Charles Schultz to do a uh, some new strips, I'm all over that. Or just some German guy named Charles Schultz. So speaking of zombies, someone sent me a link to it's the Oregon Trail, just like the very original Oregon Trail, where it's popping up your options and all, except it's set in a zombie apocalypse. Uh-huh. So instead of a you know covered wagon, you're in a station wagon. And you've got you have to have you know ammo and guns and fuel and it's just basically everything like the original Oregon Trail except they've covered it up and they've made it zombies instead. I don't think I'd shoot buffalo though. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, is anybody actually buying point one next week? Not me. Not for five ninety nine. I will bird steal it. <laughs> <laughs> I might get it from Steve Chandler in uh, Glasgow. <laughs> So. But Aaron, you are getting Avenging Spider-Man, right? Oh, hell's yes. Good. I want to make sure I'm not the only one purchasing that book. I am all over it. Tim, you want for Suicide Squad number three? Yeah. Groovy. That's, that's a I am 10-4. It's a big 10-4, good buddy. Good buddy. Ghost Rider. <laughs> so look forward to all those books and more next week on Funny Books. I'm very excited. Yeah, I think we're ready to put a pin in this one. All right, pin it! Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. strong opinions here.
Are, are we still reading shit? I'm still working my way through Pac-Man. Your willpower is amazing, Paul. The fucking Link. It's because you, you annoy me. I feel we have finally progressed to the next <laughs> level in our relationship. <laughs> Drink more rum, Raven. Wayne, you let I, me down. Oh, Wayne. God damn it, Wayne. What the fuck does that mean? Well, that and the porn. He's a cutter. Yeah, it's stupid newsarama ads. All right, comic. That's all very exciting, but y'all are keeping me away from breakfast. <laughs>